following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Alan Gilman of All Saints Lutheran Church for July the 12th, 2020. We're continuing our series on the Gospel of Mark, which I've entitled The Remarkable Gospel. I've entitled it that because it evokes so much emotion and reaction, and people are astounded. And uh, we see that through through the Gospel from all sorts of different people, even the Lord himself. And the more I get into it, the more that I see that this telling of the story of Jesus is to evoke response uh, from us. And I, I think we're going to see that again in this message. Somebody has termed the the coming of Jesus as his bringing in the upside down kingdom, but that's only an upside down kingdom to to us. Actually, we're the ones who live in an upside down kingdom uh, due to sin, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Uh, I often refer to the state of the world we live in as broken, um, but it's it it turned topsy turvy. And so when Jesus comes and, and teaches the ways of God to people, to the people of his day and through the scriptures to us, it seems upside down to us. But actually, we're the ones who are upside down due to sin. And and therefore, his teaching could be quite disoriented. And it could be strange. It, it, could, it could seem uh, totally bizarre uh, when actually we're the ones who are out of whack and uh, Jesus is speaking to us even today uh, to restore us to live a life according to God's ways, according to God's design. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the story at the beginning of, of chapter 9, where Jesus was went up to this high mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured before them. And, and we learned that time uh, how important it is to listen to him that he's God's appointed spokesperson, and he helps us to understand the scriptures in the way they're meant to be understood. He enables us to understand life the way that we, the, the way we should, the way that is truly effective according to God's design. When they came down from the mountain, we saw last time how they were not. Uh, they came upon the other disciples were not able to cast the, the spirit out of this boy, and. Uh, we learned how everything's possible to him who believes. And there's just something about how when we really connect with what it means to trust in him, to trust in, in God's son, the Messiah, and trust in God's ways and, and, and what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives, that it, it opens up every possibility as we connect through faith with the resources of heaven. And so now we're going to be looking at the last part of chapter 9. And usually uh, I, I read a, a broader context. I'm just going to be reading nine through uh, sorry, chapter 9, verses 30 through 50. Uh, what follows this is they're going to end up heading south uh, in the Gospel of Mark. It's all focused in on uh, the northern part of Israel and Galilee and beyond, further north sometimes to the to east in this area called the Decapolis. Um, after 
after this, after chapter 9, they begin, in a sense, a descent before they go up to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, and we begin to see the the working out of his betrayal, his arrest, his his execution, and his glorious resurrection. And so that's coming later. Uh, but first, there's this very important teaching that he's bringing to us in this passage that really equips us in, in, in how to be the people of God. It, it may be in ways that we, we don't expect, certainly not the way that his early followers expected. So let's uh, read Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 30 and going through verse 50. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand this saying, and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all, and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the, in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for your word, and we pray that you would open our eyes and hearts to be able to understand and to receive the things that you are saying to us today. Please guide us, Lord. Help me in my speaking. Bless the technology. And may each one of us get to know you better as a result of this message. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so for the second time, uh, Jesus begins uh, by teaching his disciples about his soon coming death and resurrection. There are three times that this happens in the Gospel of Mark. And while the three of them are all similar, they're also each a little different. And there tends to be somewhat of a reaction or some other teaching moment that occurs 
following each one of these teachings. He does refer to his death and resurrection at other times in, in certain passing comments, uh, but this is one of those times where he teaches them in depth. And even though it's short, and I'll, I'll read it again, uh, verse 30, then he went on from there and passed through Galilee. This is most likely, as I said, they were coming down from the north where they were for a while, and they're going to be going through Galilee, ending up at Capernaum, which is was his headquarters during his ministry uh, in Galilee, uh, before they head down to Judea in the south. And so they went on for their past through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. Now, what it seems what we have here is a summary, because it says here, For he was teaching his disciples. And in the sense there is, he was going to some depth as to this thing that they he was teaching them was going to be happening in the not too distant future um, and then we see what and then we see what their reaction is verse 32 but they did not understand the saying were afraid to ask him and so we see this throughout they just don't get it whenever he talks about his death and his resurrection whether it's in a more formal teaching situation like this or a more passing comment like what happened earlier in the chapter when they were coming down the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, they, they're just not getting it. And, and they're not getting it because the idea, and I've said this before, the idea that Messiah would um, be given over, would, would have to suffer, would die, was just completely contrary to anything that they expected. They expected Messiah to come and conquer the Romans and release the, the, them from that oppression and establish his kingdom in the whole earth and fulfill all the uh, expectations that they were carrying in their hearts for hundreds of years derived from the Hebrew scriptures. He was going to be doing that, but not in the way that they anticipated. And so to hear this, the, the, there were other would-be messiahs and, and they, uh, they met it, their own deadly fate. And so to make it sound like he was going to be like one of them is basically saying, don't get your hopes up, guys. This is going to end in failure. And and the last time he talked about this, uh, he said, well, you need to pick up your cross too. And this is just would be so difficult for them to, to comprehend. And so they didn't understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And maybe they're afraid to ask him because the last time when they asked uh, or the, the last time they interacted on this uh, when uh, after Peter said you are the Messiah and then he talked about his his death and resurrection and Peter tried to tell him off and that didn't go so well and then he said you also have to pick up your cross so maybe they didn't want to hear more uh, but there actually might be even another reason why they were afraid to ask that's verse 33 and they came to Capernaum like I already mentioned so they were kind of they went home how, how they were able to um, keep private we don't know uh, because it was important at this point uh, as we read uh, back in uh, verse 30 and he did not want anyone to know as he passed through Galilee and he's trying to keep it a secret is most likely he didn't want things to get out of hand at, at this crucial part of of his mission um, and so they ended up in this home probably a large home where they're all able to gather in in Capernaum 
And it says, they came to Capernaum when he was in the house. He asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. So here, Jesus is teaching about his death. And, and again, the resurrection part, they didn't understand because they thought there would only be a general resurrection at the end of the age, inaugurating the age to come. Uh, and it's this idea that Messiah would rise by himself first was completely off their radar. And so he, he, here he is talking about, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be killed and all this sort of thing. And what are they discussing? They're discussing uh, uh, who e either who is the greatest or who is going to be the greatest. It's difficult to tell from the Greek grammar, but it's possible that they were still locked on and, and in some ways correctly so that the, the Jesus, of course, is Messiah, which means he's king and he's going to establish his kingdom and they're part of the establishing of that kingdom. So who's going to be the most prominent? Who's going to have first place in his government? That would be a very normal human thing to think. Um, and, uh, you know, why was he asking them? Uh, some say, well, why would he need to ask them? He was the son of God. Didn't he know everything? Likely not. I don't, he didn't carry with him um, uh, that that ability. Uh, that's one of the things we're going to look at a passage in a moment too, where it talks about he emptied himself, and uh, so he was truly human. Uh, but he, he, there's a good chance he had a, a good inkling as to what they were uh, talking about. And maybe one of the reasons why they were having this discussion is that he had just gotten back from being up the mountain and this kind of secret thing that occurred up there. Because remember, he told Peter, James, and John not to tell anybody about that experience till after. So, you know, they might, what went up there? Well, we, we can't tell you. Oh, we can't tell you. Oh, like, like you guys must you know, you think you're so important. Well, you know, how about this person and, and this guy, what he's done and all the rest. And, and you could see how, how a bunch of guys like this could get into a, uh, an argument over, you know, who's, who is the most important and who's going to be the most important when Jesus fully establishes his kingdom. And, but it's said, but really he's trying to teach them that he's going the way of the cross and they're talking about how they're going to be going the way of the throne. And uh, there are, there is um, some glorious things to look forward to, but the the route to there is not in any way what what they expected. And so it's possible they were a, a little sheepish because it, it says, but they kept silent because on the way they had argued with one. Uh, I'm having a little trouble here, but they kept silent for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Now remember. When we read the stories of scripture, uh, yes, we're reading about them, we're reading what about these people did, but it's here as a reflection of ourselves. Like this is the sort of thing that people do, and uh, and we gotta under we gotta see ourselves in a story like this. Well, maybe not you in particular, uh, but it a, a lot of people, if we're honest, could actually relate to where the disciples were at and need to hear what. Jesus is going to teach them and through this us uh, at, at this point. Verse 35, and he sat down and called the 12 and said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And this sitting down, it's like, okay, guys, this is a teaching moment. And he gets, it's 
He sits down as a teacher in the style of a teacher of that day. His teacher sat to teach, calls the 12 over, uh, and needs to instruct them on something that they don't understand. And to today, I don't know how much many of us, myself included, really understand what he's going to teach here. I'll read it again. He said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. The way of greatness is servanthood. All people, no matter what we are called to do in life, need to have this attitude. Instead of lording over people and being arrogant towards people, we need to have hearts of servant of, of servants. And what Jesus is teaching here in in what's been called his upside down kingdom, which is actually his right side up kingdom, is restoring us to our original calling because we were put on earth, beginning with our first parents, Adam and Eve, to take care of the planet, to be its stewards. Another word for that is servants. We're to serve the purposes of God on earth which means we're to serve other people. And so this was modeled by Jesus himself. I'm going to read a passage from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, where Paul explains this. First of all, he says to the Philippians, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus, in his earthly life, did nothing but care about the the needs of other people. Now, that doesn't mean that he uh, lived his life under the beck and call of other people. He wasn't controlled by others, but instead he listened to the voice of the Father and ministered to the needs of other people and acted with the with this attitude of a servant. This is not about groveling. We're not called to be doormats. But we all need to be attentive to what the Father is calling us to do by serving other people. And so then Jesus gives an object lesson. And there seemed to be quite a few people in that house, verses 36 and 37, and he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And so he's saying that even serving the most insignificant in obedience to God is to receive God himself. So he's giving perspective here by taking a child um, probably one of the kids of maybe one of the disciples or other people that were together there in the house. And in 
in in that day the child would have been one of the least significant people and you you wouldn't get much acclamation for for ministering to children you know it's something you had to do uh but he's saying serving god by ministering to and blessing children is significant in god's eyes and so this is not just about children it's about our attitude towards all people and that continues in the in the next next bit here verse 38 john said to him john being one of the disciples teacher we saw someone casting out demons in your name we tried to stop him because he was not following us but jesus said do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me for the one who's not against us is for us now this sounds like it's an another incident that's happening that we go from the lesson on servanthood illustrated through the child and then there's this other thing and go on to something else but i don't think so because there's a there's a theme that's out that's working out here and this is where john part of his close team he's one of the three that even went up the mountain is saying there's somebody not part of our team he's not he's not he's not with us doing things in your name somewhere else we didn't authorize him uh he's not accountable to us and uh we tried to stop him as a result and jesus tells them no 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 don't do that because if he's going out trying to do good in my name jesus says not soon he's not soon after that going to uh speak badly of him and and notice this is it's more about him it's about it's about the messiah it's not about messiah's team and often what we do is we confuse uh jesus team we call the church with him in a sense it's like it's an we're supposed to identify with him but it's an over identification that uh, unless people do things our way then we don't see them as in and this is actually quite arrogant and that's why it's the same theme that began with they were discussing who's the greatest and he called them out on that and said the way to greatness true greatness is found through service and when you have a servant heart then you care more about others when you care more about others you're not going to demand that they do things your way and determine who's in and who's out on the basis of how they relate to your understanding and and your uh, particular uh, grouping verse 41 for truly i say to you whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong to christ will by no means lose his reward and he's saying here don't ever look down at whoever offers you the most insignificant thing not that water is is completely insignificant but it's a little thing don't ever look down on any kind gesture that comes because you belong to jesus don't judge them because they're different from you don't judge them because they're not part um, of our particular group receive what so not only are you supposed to give to the least significant you're to receive the most insignificant things from whomever in jesus name verse 42 
Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. So here again, it sounds like there's a break. They were talking about this guy who was not with their group um, trying to cast out demons in Jesus' name. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 don't do that. You're, you're misunderstanding this. You've got a, a, an understanding of us and them that isn't correct. Uh, you know, treat that person with grace and kindness and, and, and bless him for his, his, uh, what he's doing in my name and receive what people give. Um, but because it goes back to whoever causes this little one, it sounds like it's talking back to the child that he took in his arms earlier in the passage. But who are the little ones he's talking about? The child was illustrative of the little ones. The little ones, the ones that, you know, maybe they don't do things the way we do. They don't seem as important to us and that sort of thing. Like this guy trying to cast out demons in Jesus' name. He was one of those little ones. And and if somebody's out there trying to do good in Jesus' name, someone comes to you with the most little um, kindness in Jesus' name, don't treat them badly. In fact... If, if your attitude towards these people upsets their faith in any way, oh, they're, you know, they don't do things our way. They're not part of our denomination. They, they read that version of the Bible. They, uh, they have this doctrine. Um, I heard that they pray this certain way. It's not like how we do it. And, and that, those are the things that are important. And we're the ones who know, and they're the ones who don't know. And we got to make sure of that. And, and, and as a result, um, we're, we're, um, kind of seeding them with, with, um, with uncertainty and 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 it's upsetting and it's causing unnecessary division and we think it might be necessary division but it's unnecessary division um and i'm not saying that there's nothing that we should uh, clarify and and things that we shouldn't correct but we need to be very very careful not to upset the faith of god's people and especially those that are um that are that are simple in their faith like a child uh, we're too quick to correct. We're too too co- uh, quick to impose ourselves as as the lords over other people. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to, if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And one thing I read is like a mill. So a millstone was this big uh, rock that was made to grind grain and. Um, and I believe there's this hole in the middle. And the idea, it wasn't that it was to be hung by a string, but the thing was actually to be put around the person's neck and thrown into the sea. That, that would be better for that person than upsetting the faith of the little ones. And I know it says here, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe me to sin, the word is to stumble. And uh, it's in the sense of upsetting their lives in such a way to disrupt their relationship with the Lord. And we must be very careful never, ever, ever to do that. And and this is what he continues to speak about. Verse 43, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And before I continue that this part of the passage uh, in Matthew, it, this section seems to be talking about doing certain moral wrongs and how serious it is to be to be holy, to be pure, um, to 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 live good, 
uh, lives and, and to resist sin. But in this context, he's using similar language to talk about uh, unnecessarily upsetting the faith of God's people. And so he says, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. He repeats this sort of thing over and over again here. And, and the word here is Gehenna. And it was a garbage heap and I, 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 uh, near Jerusalem. And I won't go into all the details. And so it's difficult to know if he's talking about being thrown into Hades at the end of time or basically um, being thrown into a, a place of complete despondency and, and distance from God and in a really, really bad place. Um but it's 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 better to um, to cause ourselves pain and to and to go to um, great uh, extremes to make sure that we never upset people's faith unnecessarily. Verse 45, and your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Um, it's very, very bad, whether it's eternal damnation or putting us into a living hell by upsetting other people's faith. Like, we... we we think we're so righteous sometimes by the way we stand for truth and it's important to do so, but with an attitude of service and love, not having to prove that we're right and prove that other people are wrong. Years ago, I remember somebody was sharing how they came to know Jesus for the first time and God used a particular book uh, to, to help them. And uh, I knew that book, and there were certain things in that book that I didn't agree with, and I did not think were very helpful. I'm not talking about elements of Jesus coming to die for our sins and rising from the dead and our need to repent and believe in him, but there were other theological notions in that book that uh, I, I totally didn't agree with. Um, but I, I knew it was important to basically keep my mouth shut and, and not all of a sudden you know, talk about what I thought was right about these matters that I believe were secondary so as not to upset the faith of this, of this person. And so we need to be very careful. And, and in this passage, whether he talks about the hands, the foot, the eye, you know, the things that we do, uh, how we live and where we go and how we conduct ourselves and, and our eyes, you know, the things that we desired. And basically these self-driven things, you know, are we going to serve people or are we going to live for self in Jesus' name? We need to be careful to preserve the faith of others. We're to have a servant attitude and not be sectarian. Uh, that whole thing of what John was saying, he was not with us. Well, the us is a lot bigger than our particular brand of Christianity. And he says, for everyone will be salted with fire. And this is likely a, a reference to the purifying effects of hardship. You know, everybody finds life hard. And that's another reason to be really careful in how we deal with people. He continues uh, the final verse of this, of this section. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. And so he continues this, this metaphor of salt here and, and, what I take from this is, are, are we going to humbly learn by facing the heart, by how we face our hardships? 
Um, are we going to become hardened? Are we going to become more um, stuck in, in our ways? Or are we going to be open-hearted people, willing to serve people who see things a little bit differently from us, or in some ways, um, you know, very differently from ourselves? And the way they worship God can be really, really different. And some of their theological understandings can be really different. But if they share the core of Jesus as Messiah and Lord, the Son of God, and they've put their trust in him. Everyone who does that, they're our brother, they're our sister, and um, and as well as outsiders too, people who don't know the Lord yet. We're, somebody has said that the church is the only organization that exists for other people. We're to have a very wide open door policy. And and very often our attitudes of of, of concerning ourselves and preserving the, the ourselves and the way we want things to be can get in the way from allowing people to be part of the family of God. And so may God help us to have servant attitudes towards all people, to follow in the example of Jesus, who who didn't hold on to his privilege, didn't hold on to his heavenly greatness, but was willing to lay that aside for the benefit of other people. So let us, instead of pursuing greatness, Let us pursue servanthood and discover what true greatness really is. Let's pray. Our Father, please forgive us for how we've put ourselves ahead of other people. And help us, Lord, to have truly humble hearts before you and before others. Show us, Lord, where we have... um, cause unnecessary damage in the lives of other people because of the ways that we've asserted ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, and bring restoration uh, where it's needed in our hearts and in the hearts of those that maybe we have badly affected. Have mercy on us all, especially in these difficult and confusing days. May this be a time of reconciliation. May this be a time of invitation. May this be a time of serving one another in in the various ways you call us to. Please, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next time, this is Pastor Allen for All Saints Lutheran Church. God bless you and your families. Be blessed, be healthy, be safe, and may God use you mightily. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.